Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. What up? I'm Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things and what that means now <laughs> and, and in the future. Wow. I'm really excited this week to have Danny Grant, who um, I, well, I met for the first time at uh, the NFT Summit, which was which was last week in um, San Francisco, and I wasn't going to go, and then I went, and it was really great, so great. And Danny, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. For the most part, you work at Union Square Ventures, but I was... Um, looking you up on the internet, you've done a lot of things. So I don't know which part you want to say, but please introduce yourself to, to the people. <laughs> to the people. To the people. To the people. Um, I think the most fun is before VC, it was at Cloudflare. So I come from the world of protocols, and it's really wonderful to see um, all the Ethereum magicians um, looks exactly like the ITF or ICANN, um, but there's this kind of extra hope that comes along with building something new, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is like really wonderful to see. Did you guys know each other before last week, or, or like? What, yeah, what? I mean that's a really funny story. I would like to hear it. Yeah, maybe four years back, I guess. Right, like back when hackathons, college hackathons, were like the thing, and there was this whole community around it. The community was hackathon hackers, but even less like without the label, um, just the group of people that happened to see each other all the time. Um, and Danny and I were a part of that group, and so oh, cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, you disappeared for four years and came back like, <laughs> what up, Cloudflare, USV, how y'all doing? Non-fungible summit. I did disappear. It's all correct. There's been like floating clothes in the air. People are very confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that captures it accurately. And the thing that I remember about meeting Matt is at the time he was working on something that I thought was magic. Um, it was a keyboard where you can draw anything and then he'll create ASCII art to represent it. <laughs> What was it? It was ASCII art from from just you drew whatever. Right. Still the best project I've ever made. Uh, It deserves a version two updated for the iPhone X. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it was this keyboard. You would just draw it. It was like a little notepad, and you would draw, and then it would turn that into text that you could like send to people over um, you know Snapchat messages. I I think there's a category of silly things that um, that kind of show us what's possible. And oh, yeah. this like, feels viscerally in that bucket where uh, when Matt described it to me, I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but when I yeah. used it, um, it, uh, uh, it like felt like a new experience. And I actually think that's where people's love of like NFTs and what's possible with NFTs come from. And when they explain it to their family and friends, no one gets it. But then uh, when they get their family and friends to use something, right. they get it. Oh, absolutely. No, that's totally true. You show them a project. You show them... I mean, CryptoKitties or CryptoPunks, that was what drew me in. That's actually something I feel a little, not sad about, but when I try to explain the space to people, um, I want to like point them towards things that I think demonstrate cool concepts. Um, and that like list of projects is relatively small. Yeah. Yeah, the, the list of, of genuinely new. Right. And, right. and this is something you actually brought up, Danny, last week in your in your talk um, about new, new experiences versus sort of like grafting like the new technology onto old, old experience. Like what can you do that's completely new in this space versus, you know, it's this, but with crypto. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there are two aspects of crypto that feel net new. 
One is this aspect of substantive resistance, uh, and the other is this idea of uh, being able to create artificial scarcity in a digital way. Mm. Uh, so both of these things are uh, totally new and you couldn't do them before. Right. And so projects that need one or the other or both in a meaningful way kind of are a pointer to these net new experiences. So like one example, um, uh, Albert mentioned this one to me, this is not an original idea, um, is uh, fundraising, where we do have things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter um, or uh, Patreon, but uh, they can one day decide to pull the plug on a whole suite of types of projects like right. uh, that, that are considered taboo, but maybe very important. Mm-hmm. And so it seems uh, like part of fundraising for kind of taboo projects is uh, this ability to have payments in a censorship resistant way. Um, and, and so that's like a great project for something that, that could exist on crypto, but like couldn't in the same way before. Right. Yeah, it's that sort of stuff that is really the most compelling are things that, you know, they're they're not just 10 times better than the what we have today. They're infinitely better because they couldn't be done in that sense. Like you couldn't have that that guarantee that your project will be able to fundraise or like cross-border payments that just were, you know, not possible financially before and so on. Yeah. Right. So we get pitched like uh, a lot of things that are kind of like real estate tokenized or yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um, buy a car online with tokens. Right. And oh so, <laughs> um, right, right, right. And, and so we spend a lot of time thinking about like, uh, what is that new here? Like, is mm-hmm. governance and tokenization tacked on, or does it allow for something that's meaningfully new um, right, and a, right. a unique experience? And the reason why that's important is is because uh, it's easier to compete if you don't have competition. Right? Mm-hmm. So most things about the crypto platform are much harder to use mm-hmm. and, and kind of suck in comparison yeah. to the web. Yep. Right? I, can't, I can't use it on my phone and then go on a computer and be the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's really confusing. There are words I don't understand. Um, like, I need to manage a key. Um, yeah. What is I gas? Have, we talk about this every What, what is the, gas? What the heck is gas? Right. Yeah. It, it's going to take me um, at least 15 minutes to just confirm the fact that I made the payment that I think right. I made. Mm-hmm. And so... I. And so it's much easier to compete with something that gets to use the old platform if you just don't have competition, which is why the net new thing matters so much in the beginning. It's kind of a huge issue that as soon as you adopt this decentralized tech, you're kind of at an immediate disadvantage competition-wise. Like a traditional social network, you don't have to pay gas to tweet. And so like that's your your customer (laughs) acquisition cost is now like non-zero. it's uh, it really just puts you you know behind the starting line before the race has even started. I was just... trying to use uh, a, 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 like a year ago now, which is like when I got into the space. Um, I forget what it was called now, but someone, the the guy who was sort of my guide into the space, showed me. Uh, oh, it was called was it called Leroy? I don't know. Oh yeah, Leroy. Was it called yeah, Leroy? Yeah. Right. Sure. And so and and so it was like and you know that's exactly right. It cost me every time I wanted to tweet something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even like Twitter that much. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like it, I don't want to pay to do this. So, so then we think, well, at some point, Twitter on a blockchain is going to work. And it's going to work really mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, you can take a legacy business and put it on the new platform. And it's just so much more compelling now that it has the new, yep. the new platform. Yeah, now that you can own your tweets, now that you're, all your data is your own. Right, right. sure. You can't right. let so, Elon delete his anime tweets. Right. <laughs> and so it's just a question of when. And so um, when we look at the, uh, the internet and the web, uh, kind of the new old thing starts to take off like maybe around 2005 with some exceptions before, like Amazon is a bookstore on the internet. Right. Um, Expedia is like 
you know, travel on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, but for the most part, it's like 2005 and then really 2010 where there's like Warby Parker. It's like your eyewear store mm. online. And then there's Instacart and, uh, and there's Blue Apron. And there are like all these things that are the really legacy businesses uh, poured onto the web. And so it's possible that we'll follow the same pattern, but it's also possible that um, crypto, something about crypto allows for old new experiences faster than the web. And I don't really know yet. I mean, I think that's pretty compelling that that old new experience. Like, I think that that point of inflection where it becomes more reasonable is actually going to be sooner than with the web, specifically because this tech is a shelling point for cooperation. As in, if everyone adopts the same identity layer, uh, you just show up to a website and click, yes, I would like to let you know who I am. And down they go. There's no usernames, no passwords. Same thing with like, payment. It's like a universal web payment API that is Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever have you. That's like, that's pretty compelling. And so once you have, once you like drop this, um, like that's actually kind of the issue with the web is that there is no standard identity payment social layer. And so everyone's reinventing their own and it fragments. Um, but the user experience of bringing your data to a website um, is actually pretty good. Yeah. And so at some point, you'll be able to show up to a website, click like, yes, I would like to use Venmo, this like nice Venmo interface. Here's my existing friend list. And here is my, you know, here's an API to send money from me. Um, yeah, there's the app. That's, that's all of Venmo. You don't have to bootstrap a social network. There's no new usernames because I've already got one. Um, that's pretty compelling. Right. And I really like contradictions. I think they show us a lot about ourselves. So, so mm. one contradiction you could make here is um, on one hand, uh, kind of people today more and more uh, dislike this idea of a static identity. You are who you've always been, right? right. It's like very frightening to people today. Yep. Um, on the other hand, we're very excited about a world where we go around with one <laughs> yep. static identity. That digital identity. Yep. Right. Totally. I, I think it's, I mean, digital identity, aka like unique identifying uh, of, of, of an identity, um, it feels like it has to include the sort of uh, plausible deniability slash like, I can actually be anyone who I want to be sort of thing as a fundamental right. Um, because if you don't do that, you very quickly get into sort of that dystopian tracking everything. And that was actually a huge question at the identity panel at the summit was, can you create an ethical reputation protocol economy does any attempt at creating a reputation economy in this decentralized world does automatically that just, devolve exactly into yeah. like china tracking people etc right. there's also another aspect of this which is mm -hmm. like very interesting today right today um like popular view is you are not your money right like you are not your net worth you are not like who you are financially and even to talk about money is super taboo and it's not something mm. we talk about even with our closest friends or even our family right. and and so identity um in, in a crypto platform often devolves to you are your wallet, you are your right. money, and you are what you spend your money on. Yeah. And so that's kind of also an interesting contradiction of what we believe. That's certainly a spectrum, right? Like, um, I don't want to be defined entirely by the things I own, but ownership is a big part of my like self-identity, right? Like which brands I wear, which is a little consumerist, but like what sort of things I own, what laptop I run. Well, this is something we talk about with, with NFTs, right? right? All the time is is what little things you collect says something about you even. Totally. Yeah. And I like want to show that off, but maybe not in this sort of uh, minimalist way where my entire identity revolves around. You know, <laughs> right. one of the things right. 
that I'm missing in NFTs is actually a way to show off your earnings and your winnings, right? Mm -hmm. Because the tokens that you own are the places that you've been and the people yep. you know and the experiences you have yep. won. And so, uh, and, and I'm totally missing a way uh, to brag about yep. the NFTs yep. that I own. Yep. Um, I, I rag on this all the time. This is yeah. my favorite yeah. topic. Yeah. It's like <laughs> in, in the real world, the real world is the environment in which you like right. humble brag, like right. by wearing right. this nice jacket and you going know, outside. This yeah. is something that I've even thought about. Like even before I was in this space, I always lamented this, like you're saying, Danny, this contradiction actually, which is that I love physical books, mm -hmm. um, but I, but I hate having them around. Like I hate having to move them, <laughs> yeah. having to like worry about them. And so at some point I just got rid of all of my physical books and oh, my wow. entire library exists just on my phone or whatever. Um, but I like, but part of one of the things I, the, the first thing I usually do, and maybe this is kind of pretentious, but the first thing I do if I go over to your house is I'm going to go over to your bookshelf and yep. like just, just Absolutely. peruse your books and like decide what that says about you, right? Like, yep. and be like, oh, what's this book? And you can't do that at my house because I don't have any books. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I you wish that I had some. some frames. And well, put... right? Like that's 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 the solution, but we're, we're in the same exact, it's the same exact problem with, right. with digitally owned things. Right. Like, you know. Showing off the th the digital things you own. And this, like we, we own digital things all the time, right? It's like, how many Instagram followers do you have? That is a digital thing you own. Yeah. And, Showing that off, like that would feel very of, gauche. That right. would feel extremely gauche. To would be feel like. weird. Yeah, but I mean, art is different because mm -hmm. art is like normalized. It's okay to show off art by putting it on your wall. Right. Um, less so, like how many bitcoins I own. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so one of the things that I want to um, exist is mm -hmm. I want um, an iMessage app where I can use my NFTs as stickers. Like, I'm, I want to show them off in messaging. That's so funny you bring that Matt, up. Matt is literally working on Yeah, that's on what that. I'm building. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Tell me when I can right. try it. But, 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 but he can't talk too much about it because it's in stealth. I mean, I could, but I just don't want to market something that doesn't exist. I'm all about vaporware. Yeah, I mean, within the month, I'll have a, I'll have a terrible MVP that you can use. Ooh. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Based on my yeah. vast experience with terrible keyboards. Uh, <laughs> As we've learned. No, stickers are such a good application for this. And it, it, it ties super directly into this, like, need this, you need this environment in which to authentically humble brag about things. Yes. Like, stickers are the perfect medium for this. Right. And it's because you're just reacting to something, like, showing this emotion that's so authentic, that's so normal. And then as a side effect, it's like, oh, I have this thing, or I went to this music festival, or I did this. But that's that's not why, right? Like right. It's, it's a really perfect interaction. And actually, that's one of the things that I like so much about Telegram. And this may mm. be just me not knowing how to use Telegram, but my, in my Telegram experience, I only can download new sticker packs if someone uses them with me. Yep. And then I can say, click and, and download this. Yep. And so I love this kind of viral mechanism of spreading uh, like Absolutely. your identity. Absolutely, 100%. And you get these beautiful, like, like the, the stickers end up tracing a path through the social web based on like right. when they're used and who they're used with. And like maybe one goes up to a celebrity and comes back down or 
you send it between your small friend group and that means something to y'all. I did not know this about Telegram. I'm just learning this now. This is fascinating. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the sticker that you sent to us in our yeah. <laughs> in our chat and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, right, right. oh wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and then that like idea of experiences that spread virally that you need to know yeah. someone who knows someone um, can go further than stickers, right? So so WeChat's mm-hmm. whole in-app experience is you can only use the apps that someone has either given you the QR code for or sent like right. used with you or sent to you. I I mean that's what I like about Telegram too is you can make your own sticker pack and then send it to your your friends and now it's a it is not actually a rare item but it feels rare. Um, right. And a friend of mine has. Um, a sticker pack that was discontinued in the U.S., so you can't oh, wow. download it anymore in the U.S. Mm. And he is very proud of that sticker wow. pack because you wow. can send it yeah. to someone and yeah. they're like, "Oh, this is a dope sticker. Let me download this." And it's like, "You can't." <laughs> yeah. So this experience that you're describing with books—that like you today you walk over to someone's bookshelf and you're like, "I know who you are because I can see who you are." Uh, used to exist in other mediums that we don't have today, and we've just like translated over to what still exists, right? So you used to be able to walk over to someone's like CD cabinet right. and see exactly. what music they listen to. Or their DVD cabinet. What movies are they listening to? Um, and, and so uh, that's just had to translate over to something else. And I think it will with books. I, I think we're always looking for ways to express ourselves. Yeah, and I mean, um, Jason Bailey of Art Gnome, who, who uh, is a friend of mine in, in this space, um, he he likes to point out like you know we're staring at screens most of the time anyway it it makes a certain kind of sense to have these collectibles be on mm-hmm. screens we just like haven't figured out like the best way you know stickers being one but like the best way to present mm-hmm. them danny was what was there anything specific that you want to talk about um with the nft summit or or anything else that you were thinking about these so i have here open my um my evernote okay <laughs> um, and uh, I have a list of things that I want people to build using NFTs. Oh, very good. Oh, great. Let's do it. You know, there's a game where like you have a piece of paper and then someone draws like a line and then the next yes. person draws something and then over time it becomes something. Yeah. Sort of like an exquisite corpse. My friend right. made this as a little digital, uh, yeah, it's called um, Imposter Droster. Or draw. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, please continue. Yeah, it's a great game. Look it up on the App Store. He'll thank me for the, the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So I want that as an NFT, like an NFT ooh, that evolves over time. Like ooh. you get it, only you can edit it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and then uh-huh. you pass it on after you're done editing. Yep. And you can't yep. pass it on until you've made a change. Yep. Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. That reminds me of the video game. There's a Rare Pepe video game that you can only play. It's like Tetris or something. Yeah. Yeah. If you own the card. If you own the rare pet Yeah. I like that a lot though, the drawing on top of things. Is there is there a theme? Is there a goal? Or is it pure drawing anarchy? Um <laughs> uh, I don't mind scribble anarchy. I think yeah. people will create Oh that's a good band together. name. <laughs> scribble anarchy. <laughs> and I think people are so drawn to two things. They're so drawn to faces and they're so drawn to narrative that yeah. um, like if you ever play this game in a group and you just have paper in the middle and everyone adds, you end up with a face or a narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, idea number two from your Evernote. Right. So so you can also do this, but as the sentence game, you know, when everyone adds mm-hmm. a word, you create a sentence. Right. And what you would have to do with the sentence game is you would have to um, limit how many times um, the NFT can be transferred to someone else. Mm-hmm. So like in the mm-hmm. transfer call of the ERC-721, you'd have to say, only execute this transfer call, like you'd have a wrapper around it, um, if uh, it's only been transferred less than this many times. You'd have right, like a counter right. per token that increments. Um, right, so then you'd have like full sentences. Mm-hmm. And then of course what people would do then is, um, is they would create uh, bots 
that like right. are Markov chains that then um, you transfer to the <laughs> bot, it creates another word on the chain and then transfers it and you have these little little narratives that are tokenized right. and, and people own them. That would be really fun to take all of those Markov chain Twitter bots for crypto people and like hook them up together on the blockchain and have them construct <laughs> nonsense. I mean, I imagine they're very lonely in their isolated right. oh, yeah. droplets oh, and yeah. they probably do want to meet each other. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they swim in the ocean, but are isolated beyond. Uh, They're all in like parallel universe oceans. Right. Yeah. Little Docker containers. Oh, That's um, beautiful. It's very, beautiful. It's very sad. Almost, almost uh, cosmic. It's poetic. Yeah. Poetic. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> so what's the next one? How many of these do you have? And how many do you have? Oh, um, a lot. Infinite. Oh, excellent. Fa- Infinite. Fantastic. Ready? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think it'd be really fun um, to have a story that unfolds as you transfer the story as an NFT from one mm. person to another. It's mm-hmm. like each person gets to unwrap a little bit of the story. So everyone's like an active part of creating it. Right. Yeah. You essentially mine the story. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. That reminds me a lot of augmented reality games where you're collectively trying to figure out like what what is this this puzzle, this hmm. thing. Like, Yeah. Like the Bitcoin uh, puzzles that came up where everyone like gets a stab at it and discovers like maybe this is a pattern and then shares that with the group. But that for a narrative. Yeah. Right. And and uh, you could also do it. So it's like uh, Willy Wonka's uh, Chocolate Factory, where uh, each NFT, when you get it, it looks the same. But as you transfer it to people, it starts to um, unravel. And inside, there's something like there's a surprise, like Kinder Chocolate NFTs, right? right. And inside mm-hmm. some of them, it could be like lotto tickets, not like the legal in ticket. the United States. <laughs> <laughs> um, right and and so like inside one of them could be like a bitcoin or something and and there's like a prize and, and it's fun because it's um there's like a viral aspect to it that you do it with friends and, and you're incentivized to share it and um and it feels like teamwork and collaboration and, and it's also surprising totally yeah yeah i think that would be a really fun game i mean definitely as part of like like in a game world like maybe there's a I don't know, you find this like mysterious thing and then have to trace back and follow it and give it to people and everyone has to collectively like figure out what is it what actually is this thing and right there's a prize at the end which is i don't know all, all of these are really silly and, and no one should spend their real time on it <laughs> well <laughs> but, but i wouldn't I think, say that but but i think part of the human experience is mm-hmm. is escape and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I think there actually is value in creating silly things that don't matter. Um, and that's a great way to create technological um, like advancements. Ad- advancements, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, like okay. sp- specifically creating the toys that people then play with. And then, hey, it turns out maybe this is a real thing after all. Right. Okay, so what's the next one? Well, so um, I went to an event this weekend where there was kind of a gift exchange. Everyone puts like gifts in the middle and then you can either take a new one or steal someone else's. And I was thinking, what am I going to bring to this gift exchange with like all these really thoughtful people? And I thought probably a crypto kitty. Yeah. But I didn't know how to gift a crypto kitty. Like do right. I bring like a like a hardware wallet with a crypto kitty on it? Right. Or or like do I give you like a coupon? Like if you email me your Ethereum <laughs> right. right. address, I'll send you a crypto like, yeah. right? like it's yeah. like one hour of my time. Um, and so um, and so someone uh, there's a big opportunity for someone to create like a real physical gifting experience that feels yeah. as wonderful as the thing itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's something definitely lacking from like a QR code on a uh, piece of paper. Um, Joe Looney, who we had in the pod, um, uh, progenitor of the Rare Pepe uh, blockchain project, 
or Bitcoin, I very specifically Bitcoin, um, gave me a, a physical Pepe that was uh, on yes. a little USB key thing. <laughs> and yep. um, yeah, I that actually, was, I think I so that felt special when he gave that to me. It felt like a special. Moment. Right. And the way it worked was that there was a there was a hardware component as well, right? Like taped yeah. onto it. Yeah, exactly. I don't totally understand it, but that's... Oh, it was an open dime. That's what it was. Yeah. Which and so there's a little uh, single-purpose hardware wallet uh, that you put in next to the card. And for all intents and purposes, that hardware wallet is now the token. And your card is the representation of that. And it seems like a pretty fun philosophical uh, bent. But even, you know, just to like receive that from Joe, that moment was really nice. And I could, I can imagine Danny, someone getting something similar, you know, getting a crypto kitty from you could be that just that moment. is like a right. nice moment. No, absolutely. Right. No, that's actually a great question. Is that like, what, what do these digital things look like in physical space? Mm-hmm. Is that something that people want? Slash, if so, how do you make that happen? That sort of like digital physical bridge is really interesting. Of course. And the future of this is obviously NFT shirt. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Very good. Yeah. Oh, wait, that actually reminds me of a t-shirt that, oh my God, should be an NFT. It's this brand called, uh, this is not clothing. Mm-hmm. And it is their, their, their shtick is it's a streetwear brand. So it's all very, it's cool clothes. But the thing is that you're not buying a t-shirt. What you're buying is a canvas for an augmented reality sculpture that you can view ah. if you download their app and point it at the t-shirt. That's cool. And that's dope. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And the funny part is that I bought the knockoff version in Shenzhen for like five bucks, <laughs> yeah. but still got to see the AR sculpture. Ah. So really so we need go. digital scarcity and tokenized access. Right. <laughs> right. And there you go. Right. That's a very practical use. Yeah. NFT yeah. shirt. There it is. That's the brand. That's, that's very boom. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that I want is, I don't know if you guys remember like screensavers from windows. Of course. Mm-hmm. You could forget. And, yeah. And there was one where you could make your own aquarium and you oh. could turn on your screensaver and you could like watch your fish on your screensaver, like float around and you decide what fish are there and you can feed them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I want my screensaver to be the NFT that I own. I can see right. them, like, run around, like, oh, a crypto panda, like, right. interacting. Yeah. And, and so obviously this is a really important <laughs> thing to build. Right, yeah. Um, but the thing that makes it really difficult to do so is that there's no kind of standard NFT SDK, right? Yeah. So I can't just do, like, NFT.run, NFT.jump, right? Like, I, like there's right. no easy way for me to interact with NFTs as a whole. Um, right. And instead, I need to go and look at each individual contract and what methods it allows and what parameters I need to pass in. Um, and it makes it really difficult to interact with NFTs as a whole. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and so I think a really great project would be for someone to, uh, like, create an open source NFT SDK. I'm sh- I feel like someone's working on that, but you're right. I can't point to it. Um... Yeah, no, it is actually super, super annoying and hard to just get a list of all the NFTs someone owns. Like, it's it's a fundamentally, it's, it's apparently a hard problem in computer science is to index the Ethereum chain and just get a list of tokens that someone owns. Well, don't even stop there, though. Like, what about the Pepe's that they own and the other right, you know, exactly. spells of Genesis that they own that are on the Bitcoin blockchain and then right. the ones that are going to pop up on EOS or whatever, um, right. mm-hmm. you know, so th- then it, the problem even becomes deeper. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hmm. I think that would work really well as a new tab page. <laughs> oh, yeah, new tab, that's right. Cool. You, oh, that's yeah. a good idea, right? I would use that. That's yeah. I would totally use that. That's totally right. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing one ages ago for cats. Like uh, It was kind of like Neko Atsume, but um, 
where you have where you like collect cats and they play around on your screen. It's a right. iPhone game. Um, right. It was for a new tab page, and you get a little cat that you can accessorize. Well, they just actually invented CryptoKitties like three years before. Right, um, right. They just didn't tokenize it. But yeah, that, but with blockchain, sounds dope. And then the, the last thing that I want, uh, or maybe there are two things, but they're related, is, uh, you know, like when you're little and you go trick-or-treating and then you and your friends like show off what you have and you start yeah. trading. Yeah. Like uh, there's something about trading that is so fun because yep. it's sharing an experience and it has nothing to do with the thing itself. Like yep. I, I don't actually care what I'm trading. I just love that I'm giving you something and you're giving me something. Right, and right. I want an NFT trading experience where I see what you have and I'm like, wait, uh, we, we can exchange here, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that feels really fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, you know how like there are thousands of people around the world that play geocaching and they, mm -hmm, they look in mm -hmm. GPS and they go and find a geocache and then they get something out of the box and they put something in? Yeah. yeah. Like a pencil or an eraser, like little things. Yep. So I want the same thing to exist with NFTs, where like Absolutely. there are QR codes hidden all around the world, and you go and you find them, and then you from your wallet deposit an NFT, and you get to take yep. some stranger's NFT. And I love uh, it. Also, very funny that you mentioned that too. I'm also working on that. <laughs> That's incredible. As as part of the the stealth project, um, but you're totally right about barter, like as a feature, right? Like half the fun of playing. An MMO, at least to some people, is going into the town square and just yelling until someone wants to buy something from you. <laughs> right, right. Just like selling this, selling this, five thousand gold pieces. Like that's that's a form of content, and you, you know, it's obviously not an efficient economy, but people still have fun <laughs> because you're right. Yeah, it is. It's part of the experience. Right. Um, speaking of bartering, you know, one thing that blew my mind about the NFT summit last week was um, learning that bartering as we think of it um, as a sort of a precursor to, to to the invention of money mm -hmm. never existed. Wait, what? <laughs> I missed the beginning of Matt's talk. I oh, assume it's Matt's. Oh yeah, it was Matt's talk. Matt, yeah, Matt uh, Stevenson. Matt Stevenson. Yeah, so, so um, bartering as we sort of think about it never existed. Like I have this sheep and you have some grain, and I will give you sheep for so much grain or that whatever. That didn't happen? That didn't happen. This is totally destroying my worldview. Tell me yeah. more. My understanding is it had more to do with, like, it's not just any sheep that is being traded. It's like mm. it's like the familial connections and all the different things in this tribe that we're in. Mm -hmm. This this sheep is special in some way. And right. so it's – and so – when colonizers came in and saw people like doing this economy, it like made no sense to them the kinds of trades that were happening. They thought it was like really dumb, but it was. But what they were doing is they were trading collectibles. They weren't. They weren't like bartering. You oh. know, it wasn't like um, a stock exchange or something. Where right, that's super interesting. They're trading Pokemon cards and trying to get the Charizard. Right, exactly. And then what actually happened is that on the plane ride home. I was listening to my favorite podcast. I tweeted about this. I think you saw it. Um, one of my favorite podcasts on the media. They did an entire like they had an entire segment about this exact thing. So if you want to hear the like the like pro academic version of what I'm saying, download um, the the episode of On the Media where they're talking about money, uh, which is a recent episode, and you can hear it. It's just fascinating. Very cool. Yeah, it blew my mind. Blew yeah. my mind. That's really interesting. There was a lot of other stuff that I really enjoyed about about the NFT summit, but I was wondering, mm -hmm. Danny, if anything stood out for you. Yeah, there was um, 
Uh, you touched on this a little bit. The big takeaway for me and something that like I understood but didn't rock before, um, I think her name is Tara from IDEO. Yeah. She gave this yeah. really great talk about how um, uh, the thing that gives an object value is the story around it. Mm -hmm. And so just by the thing being unique doesn't give it value, it, it, it's also narrative. And so it's something that you build um, using like fictions. And, right. and Absolutely. it wasn't until she said it that I grokked it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was just like, gave was, me a new lens. No, it was great. She talked about ugly, ugly Christmas sweaters. <laughs> right. You know, and, and Gudetama. Yeah. Gudetama and she yeah. had a picture of Winnie the Pooh that had teeth. I'm just looking at my notes here from the NFT Wait, summit. I feel my... like I missed the Winnie Pooh with teeth. Yeah, that's, there was like a Winnie. A... <laughs> you, you didn't miss out. That won't haunt you for years. It was years. very scary. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, no, you can totally see the like story at play. I, I love going back to fashion and specifically like streetwear since that's like a subculture that I'm into. But they, they that demonstrates it more than like in a very concrete sense for me is the brand is almost 90% of right. what you're paying for. Right. There's And that's there's, just a story. Yeah, it's just the story. Yep. It's just the aesthetic. It's the like I stood in line for this or like I had to go to the store like far right. away with my friends. Like it's the experience. It's like it's yeah, it's really it just shows it. And obviously it's hard to quantify what, you know, how much is the brand worth, but if you look at, you know, shirts the shirts aren't like necessarily better if it's from one thing or another it's just the style right we see this whole effect with crypto kitties too so mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. uh the reason why people like crypto kitties isn't because they're cats on the internet people like crypto kitties because owning one makes them feel like they're part of this early new thing yeah like it makes them feel like a pioneer in industry it makes them feel like they're part of this like og crypto native community like they're part of the beginning um it's like downloading a song from Napster, like, right. say, like mm -hmm. right. that's where my music library comes from. Right. And, and crypto kitties are the thing that like, when you get like smart people in a room that are like, deep into the space, they love to rag on, like they love to hate it because crypto kitties <laughs> has this narrative, uh, like Taylor Swift has this narrative, right? Like mm -hmm. they have the Taylor Swift effect where their popularity uh, makes like is the thing. And so people re rebel against them because they're popular the same sure. way that people don't like Taylor Swift because she's popular. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it comes to this narrative of them being this like wildly popular first thing. Um, like CryptoKitties aren't the thing. The narrative around the CryptoKitties are the thing. Yeah, that's that's a very good analysis of that. I would I would agree with that 100%. I was going to say when I think of uh, if I want to show off that I'm a pioneer, I grab a CryptoPunk. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Totally the same. Um, the other thing <laughs> that I want to exist, I was just like, uh, just remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it strikes me that um, NFTs and the ability to arbitrarily send it to any address um, mm. is like the first way or like a interesting new way they could send a message to literally anyone. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, like I love this idea that you could just like create a note that is an NFT and send it to a stranger and it just appears yeah. in their wallet. And they can like visit a UI and like <laughs> yeah. open their note. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it could even have a chain mail effect where like if the person who owns the Blockchain note is allowed mail. to add. Blockchain right. Mail. Right. Um, um, and, and what you're missing is like a notification when your yep. wallet gets something. But yep. someone will build that and it will yep. be so exciting and it will create kind of a new possibility in, in um, game mechanic. Yeah. I really want that to exist. Um, just because you need the standard messaging thing on top. And it doesn't have to be like sending messages in text to a blockchain but all you have to do is like um you can use their public and private key as like a key pair and start up a pgp session with them 
Um, it and, scares like, me a little bit because I start thinking about being in the airport and getting like weird porn into my yeah, air, airdrop over the blockchain over over the airdrop blockchain. <laughs> um, but that's yeah. a game mechanic, right? Like people <laughs> right. send really funny stuff along with really scary stuff, and it's up to humans to decide what to send. It's not the mechanic that makes them send. Sure. Back. Yep. 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 Yeah, no, it's also super useful for stuff like ENS names where the owner is this anonymous address and it's like, right. hi, yes, I would like to buy this from you. Um, that's what definitely happened a few times where it's like, I cannot get in contact with this person. I would like a unified messaging experience where they can go to check all of their messages. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, the thing that I'm kind of missing in my experience right now is if I wanted to um, interact with you on, on in an Ethereum dApp, I don't know who you are. So I have mm. your phone number. I have your telegram. Like I have all these ways of contacting you, but right. I don't have a good phone book for my There's Ethereum no contact wallet. book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what I want someone to build is a telegram bot that you can just like send one of your contact, like ask the telegram bot what your contacts Ethereum address is. Yeah. Mm. That'd be cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll end up looking even at a higher level. Um, that contact book will end up just looking like an ENS registry of usernames. Um, and then you can locally do your like phone number to username thing. And then it's less that you're messaging, uh, Matt Condon, whose phone number is this, you're just at Matt. Like, right. Of course. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. But that doesn't exist. You're right. There's no unified, um, there's no unified naming system beyond like the ENS in general, but not that many people have a dot ETH like username that they use. And even then, like, what are you going to use it for? And on the inbound messaging system, like just getting a notification when someone sends you something, this strikes me as not that difficult to build because what you would need is you would just need to run like some listeners that are constantly listening um, mm -hmm. to to Ethereum or whatever chain you want to be listening to and doing if this, then that, right? So if, yep. uh, if some any transaction goes to an address you're listening for, then uh, send like a webhook to, to uh, IFTT yeah. And then from there, you can, you know, uh, tweet at the person, email the person, text message the person. Like, yeah. it strikes me yeah. as not that difficult and someone should do it. Yeah, I think someone did actually do that with Zapier. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you can hook up um, like Solidity events specifically to Zapier. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's actually. Yeah. Why, why haven't why hasn't that been been pushed more? That's a good idea. <laughs> Get on that, somebody. Matt, was there anything? So first of all, the the event was like, well, not first of all, like fifth of all, the event <laughs> the event was like a huge success. It was amazing. Um, it Quote felt unquote, so good. Best of blockchain week. <laughs> best that of is, blockchain week. I want to tokenize that and put it on my digital wall. Um, it felt so good for me, and I'm sure for you too, to be surrounded by people. It was like the first of these conferences actually that I've been to where um, maybe I just don't go to enough blockchain conferences, but like where <laughs> no, where I didn't right have. Amount. I didn't, <laughs> where I didn't have to explain, you know, anything that uh, nobody yeah. had to explain anything to anyone. Like everyone, you, like everyone had this, like a few slides in their deck just that they normally have. And they're like, oh, I can skip this part, you know, because right. you all know what this is. So that felt great. Right. Um, like when you were giving your, your demo at the end or not demo, your introduction talk yeah. where you start talking about the song a day project and you're like, yeah. oh, wait, all of you get this. Let me just yeah. skip to what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Let me just tell you about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and the talks were great. Danny gave a talk, which was, which was yeah. really awesome, um, about crypto shower thoughts, which I thought was just big um, takeaway PDFs big, with two columns PDFs. Like, yeah. What's what the heck? 
Yeah. What the heck is up with those two column PDFs? Well, that one's stuck in my head because of the song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was wondering if, you know, Matt, was it, what stood out for you? Was there anything, uh, any big ones? That, um, that stood I mean, out? I absolutely loved going to a conference where everyone else is thinking about the same stuff that I am in like this very narrow, um, not narrow, but, you know, specific niche of digital ownership and yeah. digital scarcity and stuff. That was really fun. Um, and obviously like seeing all the internet people in real life is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, you're taller than I thought. And <laughs> putting faces to names. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're not actually a cat with a four-leaf clover on your head. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're a person. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Billy. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was really awesome. Um, for me, I took away a lot. Um, I took the metaphor thing away yeah. as like a big one for me where Gavin, also from IDEO, was talking about how we use um, the finance metaphor in the context of NFTs mm-hmm. as a side effect of just that's how we got to NFTs. And so that like surfaces as us talking about, well, one, the word non-fungible token, we're defining ourselves by what we are not. Right. And that's like really interesting um, to realize you start seeing it everywhere. It's like, right. Oh, why, why is this non-fungible? You start having to, you have to explain fungibility and that's like where <laughs> failure begins. Yeah. And so like I, I tweeted this earlier, but I'm, I'm actually, I've avoided saying the word non-fungible um, oh, and nice. I am no longer ever going to talk about it unless that's it's great. a technical like contract thing. Right. Um, the unfortunate thing is I don't have a better word beyond, beyond like digital thing. Right. 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 And so, and yeah, NFT, I mean, maybe Nifty will be it, but I don't know. Now, <laughs> now I'm like, now I'm like the fact that Nifty comes out of NFT, but right. I guess things, things, you know, language is like that, right? right? Like language That's totally can, fine to disassociate. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's the, in general though, the metaphor is we're, we're pulling finance into this world that is ideally more creative, more, it's more than finance. Like obviously you can use these digital, unique digital things for financial applications like loans and mortgages and so-and-so. But you know, there's the, more. the space that I've spent the most time in this last year is like the crypto art space, right? Yep. So, like, I, I the very first meetup that I went to, I met the guys from Super Rare, like mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they even started Super Rare, and they pitched it to me as like Instagram, but for crypto or whatever. And, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, and it, it's such a fun young right. creative space, and and this was amazing to to have this talk just blow my mind and that like it, it 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 has been a fundamental problem that I haven't been able to put my put sort of words to of like here we are talking about this really interesting creative stuff and we're applying all of this finance all these finance metaphors mm-hmm, to it mm-hmm, and it just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense why are we keeping our 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 collectibles in a wallet like that's not where right. I keep yeah. you know like I keep I my credit my cards in a wallet no I keep my credit cards in there and and my money and like yeah. maybe a picture of my kids although those are all on my phone right so right. You know, a shrine. I don't know, but like, I don't know what mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just earlier today, I was, I had a practical aptic, uh, yeah, shrine, uh, a, 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 a totem. I don't know, but yeah. like, I had a practical application of this, like, let's get away from the finance language mm-hmm, when talking mm-hmm. about this stuff. I was writing, I'm making a little splash page for my um, Song of Day project. I was going to use the word minting, right? Mm. Like, like I'm minting the first song a day song 
And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm releasing it. I'm releasing the first, like, I'm not the audio metaphor. I'm releasing it. It's, and and I was like, I just stopped. I looked at the word minting. I was like, and it was so easy just to come up with, with releasing because it makes perfect sense. And, um, and without that talk, I, I absolutely would have used the word minting. Yeah. And that was, it's so easy. And so that is like the biggest takeaway for me, just, just in terms of like something that, that just shifted my thinking in a huge way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I really, you know, one could argue that art has been for a long time overrun by a sort of finance, you know, if you think about like the fine art market. Right. Um, But frankly, everyone in this space is trying to get, is trying to destroy that. Right. And so. (laughs) We're like the millennials trying to destroy industry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so to, to continue to use that language doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I'm, I'm really optimistic for the whole metaphor shift. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously it's something that you can't really prescribe and sort of has to arrive organically somehow, authentically even. Authentically, yeah. There's, there's no yeah. Well, so, so I think that the thing that's most important in the metaphor mm. is um, to, the, the most important reason, I think, to separate um, like crypto assets um, from money is uh, because right now there can be a lot of innovation in NFTs uh, because they're not money, right? Mm-hmm. So regulators right. treat them like trading right. cards and they don't treat them like um, like any sort of regulated right. financial good. And and so people can go and they can innovate without putting down $2 million deposits uh, to be money transmitters in all 50 states, right? right. And, and so that's just really important to keep the metaphor straight uh, just for regulatory purposes. Wow, yeah. yeah, that's totally true, right? That's, that's smart, that's clever, yeah, exactly. So I guess the the loophole then is making a stable coin dollar that is non fungible <laughs> yeah. and uh, done. <laughs> yeah, right, right, and, and done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's actually that's funny. Uh, we mentioned non fungible money. Um, that's uh, that was part of Matt's uh, Matt Stevenson's talk as well. Was yeah. um, how well, yeah, that's exactly what it was. That the collectible thing. I had walked in at the part where. Um, he was talking about the stones on the island of yeah. Lot, right? I love those um, stones, man. And it wasn't just that they were stones being used as money. It was that each stone had a story and a name and a time period that it was from. And that was a func- that, that was an input to the function of their value. Which is exactly what we talk about all the time. I was like, ah! <laughs> that's it yeah that's yeah, it great it's like tell me tell me more yes yeah yeah a lot of good stuff at at non-fungible summit i'm super happy um it happened it was obviously like a a labor of love organizing it but you did a great much. job you did you did a very good job of, thank of you organizing yeah it, I thought. the only thing i did differently for I, I think like compared to every other conference that exists uh this this time was I was just really pushy on people to not mm. chill companies oh, yeah. and to to talk about something interesting in the context of their project so that, you know, you start off with this thesis, this interesting thing, this metaphor, whatever you're, this narrative, whatever you're doing, and use that as an excuse to talk about your project. I think that worked out really, really well. Um, and sometimes it worked a little too well. Like Matt, for example, forgot to mention his company name <laughs> during, during the whole thing. Right. I was like, cool, you did it a little too well there. Um, so yeah, I was, I was just very um, insistent that we talk about real content as an right. excuse to shill your company. And obviously shill is used lightly here. We all go to so many conferences and it's like the difference between a great talk and a, and a terrible talk is really simple. It's just, it's yeah. just 
someone telling a story, you know, yeah. is it like yeah. facts and figures or is it like they put it into a narrative? Right. Um, and the talks were just really good all they were around. Great. Yeah. They and were great. I think it's a function of the people that are involved. Yeah. Um, sort of, I mean, definitely the, the people that show up to this thing, they were very like good people. Yeah. And definitely like, this is one of the first times at a conference where I'm just like, sitting in the room and talking to people and you know, that whole like socializing thing you're supposed to do at conferences. Yeah. And I had a good time. I was like, yeah, I'm glad I met all these people. I, I didn't know a bunch of these people and I'm, I do now and I'm very glad. And that's uh, you know, that's apparently hard to do for me at least. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. the other thing that works really well that you didn't mention um, mm. is there was a panel at the end and I've never seen a good panel before, before this. Like, mm. I just truly did not believe in panels. <laughs> this totally my mind. fair. And the thing yeah, totally about, fair. <laughs> yeah, panels don't work. Um, they don't work for a few reasons. So one is that no one prepares because you're right. going to give a talk. It's right. you on the spot. Right, right. And you think of all the things you want to say. But if you're in yeah. a panel, you're like, oh, well, like, They're people just here ask to see me questions. Me. It's all infinite possibilities. Yeah. Like, yeah. how could I even know, like, what I should prepare? Like, what some facts? Right. And then the other thing that doesn't work is, like, everyone, it's like, someone asks a question, and then every person answers, right? Right. right. Exactly. And, like, and that's boring. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Just by nature. And the yeah. thing that works really, really well here was every single panelist was both a panelist and a moderator. <laughs> oh yeah that's right well because that was only because we were all so unprepared <laughs> it we were really well. radically oh, that's unprepared really, that's really interesting there was no moderator right, right. anybody right. anybody could call on anybody and anybody could propose yeah. a thing right that's yeah, yeah. That's, it really that's was interesting that's a good point it's decentralized chat. it's a yeah. decentralized flat organizational hierarchy right yeah that was that was that was really fun yeah and i think it was just the the fact that it was super casual um yeah. And we definitely had a lot to talk about as a sort of meta recap of the conference. Yeah, that worked really well and f uh, flowed very well into your uh, song a day. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I was thinking about what, 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 what instead of closing out this episode with yeah. the theme song, as we normally do, right. um, I will put at the very end of this podcast episode that you are now listening to, you'll hear the my recap song that I made uh, that recapped everything from the Ooh, summit. Ooh, digital scarcity. <laughs> what does <laughs> any of it mean? I, you don't want to hear me sing it. You can listen to Jonathan sing it. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, Danny, do you, as we wrap up here, do you have anything that you would like to... To plug or talk about? Well, I have a very important update for you guys. Okay. okay. I'd love to hear I, that. I solved one of my shower thoughts. You, s you sold, solved you solved oh, you it. Solved you solved it. it. Ah. Yeah, and I want. And do you want the okay. solution? I do. Okay. And so, yeah. which, so what was the shower thought? I thought you had tokenized it and sold it, and that's like yeah, also yeah, a I good idea. Yeah, sold. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. What? Well, which one? Um. Yeah. So, uh, the the talk is like seven like mysteries that I think about but don't have answers to. Right. right. And and one of them was like questioning this idea that. If we have um, decentralized data and open protocols, yeah. can there actually, like, the idea is there can't be monopolies, right? Like, that's the whole dream of decentralization mm -hmm. is the idea that with open data, open protocols, people can vote with their feet. And if, like, they don't like one platform and how they've, like, curated the platform and the governance of the platform, they just go to another platform. Right. Uh -huh. And so, um, and so we walk through some examples in, like, the existing world of, of where we see this working, right? So, podcast clients, players. Yeah. Podcast players. Right. right? Um, news, like RSS readers, um, music apps, um, 
where it's just a curation play and not a content play. And so, um, and the example where it didn't work was Google, where like Google, like Google search is just curating public open data, like the web. Right. Like everyone has equal access to the web, but they're right. the biggest monopoly there is. Right. And so their question was, what's wrong with this thesis? So I have an answer for you. Okay. So, um, okay, so there are two things that Google has as moats, like Google search, uh, mm. where the web used to actually be an open data platform um, that applied to the same rules as like podcast players or right. RSS right. clients, right? And, and that's why uh, Google could beat Alta Vista or any of the other dozens of search engines in the, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But Google added two things, right? So one is um, the double-click cookie. This is an idea I got from um, Kern at Coinbase. Um, I brought this question up to him, and he was like, no, definitely double-click cookie. What hmm. Google was able to do was track us across all these different sites because they had this different business which put a cookie on us that traveled with us everywhere. The so, yeah. And, and uh, the other thing that they have added is uh, just scale to compete with them today, it would cost billions of dollars of capital yeah. just uh, to have the same crawling and caching infrastructure as Google to compete on accuracy and speed, and not to mention just analysis in general, right? right. It's just a billion dollar infrastructure investment. Right. And so, but what this goes to show, this idea that now that they have this like proprietary data source of the cookie plus the open data source of the web, is that if you have proprietary plus open, you can still create this like proprietary monopoly moat. Uh, and so the original idea was, well, does it even matter if the apps are decentralized? Or mm -hmm. like if you have these centralized apps on top of decentralized data, right. then like people can just vote with their feet. Uh -uh. But if someone can see someone's clicks that they do on their platform and yeah. that's their proprietary data moat, right. you can still have these monopolies. So, so, so what you're saying is it's not enough for just the data to be centralized. The app is going to have to be decentralized too. Or, or maybe just uh, like the recentralizing factor um, of a decentralized world is uh, the centralized app on top, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, which just lets people have a better quality because they just see something that yeah, their that competitors is don't. What I'm, uh, I, that's what I think I, I noticed the most is the centralization of user experience. Right. Um, like things are, things just work out better when, for example, on Facebook, everyone's profile looks the same for the yeah. most part. Right. And like, as a user, that's that's cool. I don't have to deal with like some person choosing Comic Sans for their MySpace, <laughs> right? And there's this like centralization of experience. Everyone's using the same protocol, so all the posts show up as the same. Like that's that's definitely like something that I feel like would be hard to stop the trend towards. Even you know, what's so build it. funny about that though is, that, and I talked about this on an earlier episode, but you know, every um, profile looked the same on Friendster in two thousand three. That was and 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 at the time the switch when we all switched to MySpace in two thousand four. That freedom. It was the the argument was oh no man like you can make like it, everyone like Friendster that's boring like everybody looks the same this this way everyone can make it look different you know uh -huh, and it's just uh -huh. it was like an aesthetic thing it really was it was like right um it was a sort of cyclical uh, right. process the rejection of one the bounce to the other the, exactly of that. Yeah. so i wonder if i wonder if eventually it will tick back and be yeah. like we want that is definitely one of the most compelling parts about the decentralized decentralization movement is that it is a rejection of the sort of web as it is today, the centralization yeah. of these things. Right. And that is, that's a huge part of the it's optimism. Yeah, yeah. For me is like, yeah, we're, we're, we're due for a rejection and it's uh, well, maybe that's the gambler's fallacy, but um, 
it's yeah like people are realizing that oh maybe we went too far here we need to get back to what you know the web was decentralized at the beginning let's try that again matt is there anything that you particularly want to plug this week no not off the top of my head danny are you danny do you happen to be going to um devcon next week or whenever i'm not let me know um, how it is so I am going. I am going to DevCon. Yes. This is this is sort of what I'm what I'm gonna plug is that I am gonna be at DevCon, and um, doing something very crazy and sp- and hopefully special. Yeah. Um, on the first day of DevCon, so if you're there, I will see you there. Please say hello, especially if you listen to the show. Um, it was really that was the other really neat thing about the summit is like people were coming up to me and being like, I love the show. Mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. we have literally like 26 people that listen to this show. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I think every single one the of density. them was in that, was in that room. Right. Um, so that was pretty thrilling. Uh, um, yeah, I will tune in live for that performance at any hour of the day. Um, it, it, it's that it's, special thing. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be crazy. Um, you can find Danny. Do you mind? We always give out our Twitter handles. Do you mind if I give out your Twitter? Yeah, tra- so you can find Danny at the Danny and that's D-A-N-I, Danny Grant on Twitter. Um, you can find Matt at Matt G. Condon. And you can find me at Songaday Man. And uh, Danny, thanks so much for coming on. Um, this I feel is like, really fun. Thank I you. I feel like, yeah, no, I feel like we only scratched the surface. So, you know. We'll go down the rabbit hole later. Yeah. Of <laughs> NFT shirts. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's so I've already good. got some designs. I'll, I'll send them so over. so good. Yeah, you let me know. <laughs> All right, guys. It was really great talking to you. Likewise. Bye. See you next time. to explain fungibility. Are NFTs for their own sake enough in the end? Or do they need utility and speculation? Oh, one, two, three, four. Ooh, digital scarcity. What does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability. All magic is change. You can inscribe a magical word onto the blockchain. And I could make money off my song every single time it's heard. If it were an NFT owned by an ERC's 20 bonded curve. And Matt owns the podium. He won't light it on fire, though. 
horse dung in Ultima Online was a currency, did you know?